0: Hello and
1: welcome to the podcast, The Seaters, episode 857 for today, Friday the 22nd of February 2024. I'm your host, Connor, joined by Harry and Stelios. Hello. Hello. Today we'll be discussing why Parliament is an utter clown show, how the state is mandating homosexuality, and Stelios will be taking us on a trollish tour of the West. It's like a ghost train, but with more suffering. Before we get into that, we'd like to announce that today, this is the monthly gold-tier Zoom call at three o'clock. And if you aren't subscribed to the website already at Gold Tier, you can go and do so. And this takes place once a month, so it takes place instead of Lads Hour, but that'll be happening as of next week. Also, a little notice before we start, and I'll be mentioning it later on when we do the video comments. For those of you who are sending in more video comments, brilliant. Thank you very much for sub- sorry, subscribing to Gold Tier. But please keep them below 30 seconds, otherwise they won't be played, because otherwise we'll just get 10-minute video essays and other people won't get their chance. So stick to the rule, request of the editors. Without further ado. Let's get into today's stories. Right, so Parliament is a total joke. This should come as no surprise to anyone that lives in the UK. But for those across the pond, we've got a sizable American audience who aren't quite convinced that the UK is actually worse than the US, we're way, way worse. We're just a satellite state of random foreign interests at this point. And that has been shown this week by the ceasefire vote. You know, the ceasefire for a conflict in Israel that we should have absolutely nothing to do with, but we do have something to do with it because... For some inexplicable reason, since 1997, something happened and we've got a giant cohort of foreign terror apologists living in our capital city demanding that we take a stance on this thing. So I'm going to give you some context for this. This is Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, and this is now the fifth time that he's changed his and his party's position on Israel, Palestine, and the ceasefire. And this article in The Telegraph was written on Tuesday. This is very prescient because the vote happened on a Wednesday. So, Stephen Flynn, who's the leader of the SNP in Westminster, not to be confused with Hamza Yusuf, who hates white people and lives in Scotland and is a leader of the SNP in Scotland, has claimed victory and said that they've given the Labour Party a backbone because the SNP have launched what we call an opposition day. That means that a marginal party is allowed to act as if they are His Majesty's opposition. That's the Labour Party usually. So the SNP get to force a vote on the ceasefire in Gaza because they care more about Gaza than they do about Scotland for some blooming
0: reason. I can tell you the reason.
1: Yeah, I I imagine it's just a principled stance by Hamza Youssef and certainly not ethnic and racial Mm. and religious solidarity. Sure. Uh, They said that they've forced the Labour Party's hand and the Labour Party has now put in a motion for a conditional ceasefire. So this is very different. The SNP want an unconditional ceasefire because that's definitely going to influence the conflict. The Labour Party want a conditional ceasefire. And the reason for this is they both want to appease the Muslims who will leave them in droves if they don't support ceasefire on the behalf of the Palestinians, and also fend off accusations that they're anti-Semitic, which cause them to hemorrhage votes under Jeremy Corbyn's government.
2: Important question. Let's say this motion passed. How impactful would it be for the war?
1: I'm sure the Palestinians are just waiting for Keir Starmer's approval. Absolutely nothing. It's it's not going to do anything. This is just to signify to their various ethnic grievance blocks. We still care about your foreign interests. Please don't not
0: vote for us anymore and form your own Muslim party of Britain, even though that's definitely going to happen. So it would it would be difficult, I think, to accuse Keir Starmer of anti-Semitism because I just remembered that his wife's Jewish and he's his, raising his kids Jewish. His kids go to synagogue. Yes, yeah. but the issue
1: is the Labour Party have active Islamists like Nadia Whitcomb and yeah. Zara Sultana, and then weird race communists like diane abbott and jeremy corbyn in their ranks and so yes it's a completely insane party i agree yeah and this for a bit of context back in november they had a similar motion and keir starmer mandated that they vote to abstain 56 members of his own party and 10 of his frontbenchers voted against the Labour Party. And so 10 of the front benches, including our own foe Jess Phillips, had to resign. So he's looking to amend the Labour Party's reputation by doing a conditional ceasefire and not split the party and therefore split the Labour vote ahead of the next election. Now the following bit of information is very important. On opposition day, the SNP proposed their ceasefire vote. The Conservative government proposed an alternative motion. The Conservative government said they want an amendment which moves towards supporting, quote, a permanent ceasefire, but... They want a humanitarian pause in the meantime. Now, if you can tell me the difference, that'd be brilliant. But what they're conceiving of is, we'll get Israel and Gaza to stop fighting. We'll get the hostages out. We'll give some aid to Gaza. And then you can go on blowing each other to smithereens, I suppose. As if the conflict will ever end because it's a centuries-old blood libel, but neither here nor there. The West likes to pretend it at least has some influence over these things and, again, panders to its various grievance groups that vote for it. Labour is set to whip its MPs to abstain on the SNP motion, meaning Starmer risks a revolt if his own amendment fails to pass the Commons. So, a lot at stake for Labour here. This was on Tuesday. Now here's the full text of Labour's amendment. We're not going to read for all of it because it's pointless. It's basically a Christmas list for world peace. Again, as you pointed out, what they say has absolutely no bearing on whether or not Israel and Palestine will continue to fight. But they're saying, we want to stop Israeli settlement. We want to stop Israeli bombardment. We also want to stop Hamas from killing people. We also want the hostages returned. And we also want them to hold hand and sing peace and love and John Lennon's Imagine from here to the end of time. Unlikely, but again, it's to appease their own constituencies that they've imported.
2: And how much time did they spend doing this? Because if they constantly change the motions they are putting forward, it seems that it was a bit time consuming. How much time did they spend
1: doing it? The Commons debate on the ceasefire was six hours. We'll see the contrast between those who attended that debate versus other more important debates on issues that pertain to the native British population in a side-by-side photo a little later.
0: The whole thing is very performative, as far as I can tell, because whenever these motions get put forward, as far as I can tell, Israel just ignores them. If the West says, Israel, please do this, Israel says, that's very nice of you to suggest, but we're going to do what we're going to do anyway. And this is
1: quite an interesting angle and I think Morgoth raised this a little while ago, it's that this conflict shows that actually collective guilt is alive and well. For example, the West is the only one that seems to believe in not using collective guilt and treating people purely as individuals. Whereas Israel wants to use collective guilt against Palestinians, and Palestinians want to use collective guilt against Israel and the Jews. We are caught in the middle and we are trying to hold them to sort of liberal woolly standards when neither of them want to recognise that. And the best example of this is that South Africa has filed the injunction against Israel in the International Court of, of Human Rights, and they're saying that Israel is committing genocide. Meanwhile, Julius Malena, who sings Kill the Boa, and they are actively conducting a genocide against white farmers, is looking to be the head of South Africa in the sort of next year or so. So we're being hoisted by our own standards that no one else in the world is
0: abiding by. So of course they're not going to listen to us. Neither side's going to care. And most of the rest of the world sees the West as a bunch, well, Western leaders as a bunch of suckers.
1: Yeah, quite. Because we're still paying for them, even though they hate us. I'm really glad we're importing these populations. Isn't it great? So the controversy amounted. Because in order to save the Labour Party's reputation over this vote and to stop an internal revolt, Lindsay Hoyle, who is Mm. the Speaker and is a Labour MP, decided to table the Labour Party's amendment on the opposition day. So, the SNP gets act as the opposition, but then the actual opposition, who are meant to stand down at that time, also get their amendment in. And if the Labour Party's amendment was voted on, it renders the SNPs null and void. So, he has gone above and beyond to circumvent Parliament's constitutional processes to save the Labour Party's reputation because they know they're screwed if they don't appease the Islamists they've reported into the country. Under threat of force, Parliament is overthrowing its constitutional norms to appease a bunch of terrorist sympathizers. That is the actual state of politics in our country. Isn't that just fantastic? So in this, it talks about a letter that was filed by Tom Goldsmith, who's the clerk of the House of Commons. And he wrote a letter to Hoyle saying, he believed this represented a departure from the long established convention for dealing with such amendments on opposition days. So there is serious discontent, both from elected MPs, as we'll see soon, and all of the administrative staff of the House of Commons saying, well, you clearly just did this to save Labour's reputation under threat of our offices being firebombed by Islamists or being stabbed like Sir David Amos. Still, won't talk about it. So I'm just going to play a little bit from a timestamp here. This was Lindsay Hoyle's opening speech, and uh, he was laughed at by the other MPs, and honestly, quite rightly so, because what he's proposing is absurd. He's clearly running interference for his party. I'm just going to have to scroll back slightly. There we go.
3: We can skip back Reflects seconds, an outdated John. approach. Oh. <laughs> which restricts? Which restricts? Order! 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 Oh. You'll be going and not be voting. Well, that's the first one to leave then. If you want to, do it. Now then, firstly, I should tell the House, in my opinion, the operation of standing order, which governs the way amendments, opposition motions, are dealt with, reflects an outdated approach, which restricts the operations, which can put the House... It is my intention to ask the Procedure Committee to consider the operation. I now call Brendan O'Hara to move the motion.
1: So you know, how you're, you said, how long did this last for? It was that for six hours. Oh, and then Lindsay Hoyle left rather quickly and offhanded all of his duties to the deputy speaker and then came back cap in hand, looking like he was about to cry because he knew his job was on the line. Not great. I mean, he's openly saying, I want to change constitutional procedure on the fly to crowbar Labour's amendment in here because, of course, otherwise the Labour Party are worried about their electoral viability because they know they've got a bunch of Islamists voting for them.
2: And uh, let me just ask you this, because uh, I heard him talking also about physical safety, not just electoral viability. Yes. Because um, not necessarily every illegal immigrant gets instantly voting rights. Am I right? Yes. So In Wales, maybe. So it's more an issue here of the physical safety. That was w- what it was uh, really momentous. That's the, he spoke of.
1: that's the excuse he's given. The issue with that is... Yes, MPs are very unsafe. But Lindsay Hoyle was the same man that after Sir David Amos was stabbed, he acted as if he was killed by a mean tweet because he said MPs need to be nicer to each other. When Sir David Amos was stabbed, Marc Francois, who I usually quite like on Brexit, came to the House of Commons and said, this guy was basically my best friend. Now we need David's law to crack down against online hate. Ah, yes, Ali Harbi Ali, notorious Islamist, just sent a nasty email to David Amos and he dropped dead. So... Yes, MPs are being physically threatened. Mike Freer had his constituency office bombed and he was actually targeted by Ali Harbi Ali. But all of them are taking the line that it's just mean things MPs and people online say. It certainly isn't the Islamists that we've imported into the country that want to set us alight and kill us. So excuse me if I don't have much sympathy for Sir Lindsay Hoyle, either for losing his job or for feeling threatened by the issue that he's now subjected the British public to for multiple decades. And now they're just feeling the effects. I don't want him to be harmed it would have been more sensible not to import people here in the first place that would harm you. Now, I want to play this little clip as well, because this just shows how childish our MPs are. Because Chris Bryant, who is notorious for misrepresenting the financial dealings of Nigel Farage to the House of Commons and facing absolutely no repercussions for this, got up, member of the Labour Party, and started castigating the government and the opposition benches to him, the Conservative Party, for behaving childishly, as he put it, on the day that Labour overthrow... The constitutional processes, so he shouldn't be able to speak anyway. And so everyone just decides to storm out. So this is this is really well behaved. This is all in our interest. I am. There
4: are perfectly legitimate views on different sides as to the propriety of today's proceedings. However, I would just say gently to some honourable members opposite who have said that you cannot possibly have an opposition day motion being amended by another opposition party <laughs> that some of the members who are shouting the
3: loudest?
0: OK.
1: Now, if you're feeling a lot of frustration here, I don't blame you, There's most of the SNP and the Conservative Party leaving, and they're getting this outraged over the conflict in Israel-Palestine, over a vote that won't accept, uh, affect the conflict at all. Did they do any of this for the rape of thousands of girls in Rotherham and Rochdale and the like?
0: No? Okay, just good to know what they really care about. That's, that's great. I truly hate Parliament. And I can only imagine, as you mentioned, that these people um, castigate one another for being childish when the whole procedure of how the House of Commons works is incredibly childish. It's people yelling at one another with a big group of yes-men behind them, uh, laughing along and booing and hissing. It's pathetic, and I imagine it replicates the uh, dynamics of an Eaton mess hall. These people are all, mentally speaking, still children. They're still in school. They've been so insulated from the rest of the world. But sadly, I can't see, I was, just to take off for a moment, I don't think that the British establishment has been um, made up of respectable and intelligent people probably since at least the end of the Second World War, perhaps the middle of the First World War when all of the truly honourable ones signed up and died on the front lines in no man's land. Um, I was listening to uh, an academic agent that's been doing an interesting series on his deepest lore recently, where he's been going through Adam Curtis documentaries. And Adam Curtis in one of them is talking about the economic troubles from the 1960s onwards. And I had no idea about this, but when labor were in charge during the 1960s and overseeing what would eventually turn into stagflation in the 1970s, the economists that they were working with for a short time used a literal water machine to be able to try to calculate economic decisions that they were making, where they would have, I don't know exactly how it worked, but you should look this up. It's very interesting just to see the absurdity that this country has inflicted on itself for even longer than you would expect. They, there was something where they would pour in a certain amount of water and it would cause a certain amount of float, things to float over. And if it spilled over, that was when you knew that the economy was going to have inflation. And this is how our leaders have really been dealing with the country for decades at this point, they might as well. There's a joke in a South Park episode where they go to the offices of the Family Guy writers and they find that the Family Guy writers have been uh, calculating their jokes by having seals pick out balls with a uh, a setup and a punchline. That might as well be how our country has been run for the past 70 years. It's like the octopus predicting who's going to win the FA Cup. You'd actually get, on
1: probability, better policies resulting from that.
2: There used to be a criticism of some societies that they were externalizing internal problems to avoid civil war. This seems to be the exact opposite. This seems to be the internalization of external problems. And the question is, what kind of society are they actually actively pushing forward? They're actively pushing forward for a society where no one literally works. Everyone is constantly protesting about conflict around the world. And uh, England has to do nothing but constantly talk about these things in parliament and just vote for motions that are inconsequential.
1: This is proof positive that diversity is our
2: weakness. This is just
1: internalizing foreign problems. Well, quite. If you've ever seen Robert Putnam's research in bowling alone. The only thing that goes up with increased ethnic and cultural diversity is TV watching because people are at home atomized and protest marches because each different ethnic grievance group wants to use the state as a resource extraction mechanism to redistribute money and privileges to their personal clientele class. This is why Eric Kaufman and Whiteshift, very good interview I did with him recently, go and watch, said that if you look at every single non homogenous nation this is why their infrastructure projects don't go anywhere, because they have consultation periods where various tribes, religions, and ethnic groups start warring over who should get the most money out of the government. And So now we've just got into a, a, a situation where the state is buying votes in favour and trying to appease the most violent Islamists in civilization with inconsequential votes. Meanwhile, everything's really expensive. There's open knife fights in the street in Luton, London and still thousands of girls were raped for ethnic and religious reasons. We have zero accountability for that. So just infuriating, but don't worry, the SNP are on the side of the Palestinian people. Yeah, that's right. Uh, This is Stephen Flynn, and he said, quote, Scottish National Party have been championing the cause of the Palestinian people because that's who they hope to replace the native Scottish with. Just the denizens of diversity. The international umma will just flood into your country and become their new clientele class. Isn't that fun? The night before the vote, this is interesting. This was projected onto the clock tower of Big Ben. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. This is on to the adjacent building to the houses of parliament. Sorry, the attached, not the adjacent. This is just open foreign agitation being broadcast onto our national monuments. Was anyone arrested for this? No. Do we think MPs were probably intimidated by the Islamists that were doing it right outside the gates of parliament? Yes that's brilliant. We just know that the mob can strong arm our MPs into setting the national tone for our politics. That's good fun. So after the disastrous debate, uh, Penny Mordaunt decided to get up. She's the leader of the, Speaker of the House of Commons, uh, sorry, the leader of the Commons for the Conservative Party. And she said the government actually now has to withdraw from its own opposition motion on the opposition day because the parliamentary procedures have been jettisoned from the norm to such an extent that we can't even have the debate. So in Lindsay Hoyle saying, I'm trying to protect all the MPs from being petitioned by absolutely no one in particular, and also salvage the reputation of the Labour Party, he's ruined the entire affair. And now this has resulted in him doing a grovelling apology. I'm just going to play a little bit of this, because you can hear the wavering in his voice as he knows his job is on the line.
3: And I've got to say, I regret... Oh, it's ended up. It was not my intention. I wanted the all. I wanted all... To ensure they could express their views and all sides of the House could vote. As it was, in (coughs) particular, the SNP were ultimately unable to vote on their proposition. I am, and I regret, with the deep. with my sadness that it's ended up on like that in this position. That was never my intention for it to end up like this. I was absolutely. Absolutely convinced that the decision was done with the right intention. Yeah. Yeah. I recognise I, I recognize the strength of feeling of members on this issue. Clear today has not shown the house at its best. I will reflect on my... <laughs> I will reflect on my part in that of the course... I recommit myself to ensuring that all members of this house are treated fairly. Again,
0: I have to ask the question what is the point of all of this? It is coming across so performative because all of this fuss over a parliamentary uh, debate on whether they should uh, call for a temporary halt in the aggression or some kind of ceasefire in the conflict that is going on over there. Once again, Even if they did say that we're going to vote to call for a ceasefire over there, unless you have the power or resources to hoist some kind of material consequences upon Israel to force them to stop doing what they are doing, Israel will completely ignore what you are doing and what you are asking them to do. America is not going to hoist those kinds of consequences because America is perhaps the only country who could place those kinds of consequences upon Israel, but they give their full support to it. What can Britain do in this case? And what I see this as is performative outrage for the cameras to distract from other issues and also for the fact that what will probably happen is they will turn around, as we are seeing, as you have pointed out with the Freer stuff, and say, well, we had all of these Islamists outside of parliament. Therefore, we need to strengthen censorship bills for the internet. That's what this is. For the indigenous population, which will specifically always come back on us. It will turn into spying operations on the indigenous population of Britain. Yeah, for those listening or viewing at the moment, if you saw
1: Hoyle's face or heard the cracks in his voice, just imagine a machete pointed at him from the other side of the camera. This is a hostage video. The MPs, and the Labour motion passed, by the way, the MPs are basically voting for their lives here because they will not admit it, but they've imported a violent Islamist contingent that occupies london every single weekend calling for jihad intifada and from the river to the sea the expunging of israel so they're not doing this for the conflict because it has no bearing on the conflict they're doing it so that their houses don't get harassed their offices don't get firebombed and they don't get stabbed like david amos but they still won't talk about the cause and jeffrey cox is an mp just says this is exactly it two possible explanations for the speaker's decision first did it to assist his former party leader to get out of a bind Labour MP, now Speaker. Or secondly, he did it in a misguided attempt to protect certain Labour MPs from the intimidation they would have otherwise followed, that would have otherwise followed. Oh, I wonder why that intimidation would have followed. Um, Could it be, as Douglas Murray has shared here, Andrew Percy MP just explains in this short clip. last
4: week, meeting with friends and survivors and hostage families. Uh, And I actually felt safer in Israel than I do in this country at this moment in time and i have two reflections on that visit and on what happened yesterday first of all nobody in this house has any business agency at all in telling the state of israel where it is able to operate to seek to rescue hostages who are being raped by islamic terrorists who hold them nobody has any business secondly If we have a rerun of the debate we had yesterday, we will have exactly the same thing happen again, which is that members will not vote with their hearts because they are frightened and they are scared. And what, what do we expect? For months, I've been standing up here talking about the people on our streets demanding death to Jews, demanding jihad, demanding intifadas, as the police stand by and allow that to happen. Last night, a genocidal call from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, was projected onto this building. That, that message says no Jew is welcome in uh, the state of Israel or in that land. This is going to continue happening because we're not dealing with it. So if we have a rerun of this, can the leader explain to me what will be any different And how will members vote with their hearts and their consciences? Because too many will not at the moment because of the threats we're receiving. Threats that telling us to leave this country in some of our cases and telling us that they want us or our families to be subjected to pain and to death.
1: Why? Why are you getting threats? Because you brought it here. You did. So, again, shouldn't happen, but you did. And this is why, if you look at a contrast, on the left, that's a vote on the UK border. On the right. Put on the ceasefire in Israel-Palestine. They're afraid.
0: What? Well, can, can I ask, um, who organized this protest outside of Parliament and where was it that they managed to get the kind, that the, the, the who was providing these projectors to project such a large message so clearly? Because I don't know, I don't know if I could go into any sort of normal shop and buy a projector. So who's who's funding that action? I wouldn't be shocked if there's some kind of NGO who was organising it, who, if you were to dig into the finances, were in all likelihood receiving some kind of funding from the state itself. Yeah, from the they're Conservative government and are also creating, donating to the Labour Party. They are creating their own problems. And once again, the, the calculus seems to be to me that the powers that be see Islamism and the Islamic populations that have brought into the, the UK as something that mm. they can manage. As politically. They can manage politically by funneling it all into the Labour Party. They see they can fence them off as part of the Labour Party, as opposed to creating their own Islamic parties that will run in the UK. I don't know how correct they are with I think that calculus. Hopefully I, thi- wrong. I think they're wrong, because when you get a large enough mass of an ethnic population within the country, they will start to organize for themselves outside of your designated power structures. Um, but despite that, the main threat that they get from these people is a physical one, rather than at the moment a political one. So they're they're operating off this idea that they can have fenced wall, uh, fenced gardens, um, boarded communities, uh, boarded off communities, so they don't have to deal with those problems. But the white British population are the political threat for them. If we start to organise as a political block for our own interests. We're much more of a threat to them and their position within society than the, they perceive these Islamist groups as being, which is why this always gets turned around into domestic spying on the natives.
1: Quite exactly. I couldn't put it any better than that. So uh,
0: just a quick roundup because
1: I'm, I'm running slightly over time. So the fallout of this, I mean, I, I, exact person like this that you, you summarise is Fraser <laughs> Nelson working spectator. Ah uh, Fraser saying, never have so many MPs feared for their personal safety. If the democratic system is shown to buckle under pressure, they can expect more pressure. Oh Fraser, um, do you still agree that diversity is our strength? Because this was early, uh, early February, and Fraser Nelson, um, he admitted to writing this, but he didn't put his name in the byline. He wrote. Uh, In London, it's closer to 60% of babies born to immigrant mothers. This has not prompted the country to come apart at the seams. Instead, we have created a multi-faith society whose cohesiveness is envied by much of Mm. Europe. Ah, yes, I'm sure David Amos is really feeling that enrichment. Traitor.
0: So, So Fraser Nelson years ago said outright in an interview that if you want to contain popular feeling and populist feeling, all you need to do is say that you're hearing them, spout their own rhetoric back at them, and that helps to cool off some of the hotness that we experience it seems that he's given up even doing that really. yeah yeah well it, well
1: no in his latest column that's exactly what it is it's more containment and then to do nothing so the fallout of this is SMP leader Stephen Flynn has now called for Lindsey Hoyle to resign and have a no-confidence vote in it um, now he soon Lindsey Hoyle then had to respond and was very shaky again and this was Day after, as well as, yeah, this was also yesterday. Um, now, the no confidence vote has gone in, and there's 69 signatures from MPs. This includes people like Cates and Kruger and loads of the SNP and the like. So, there's a real split on the Tory backbenchers that migration skeptics and the SNP, who really want another ceasefire vote that isn't interrupted by the Labour Party and the majority of the 1922 Commission, which is the governing body of the Conservative Party, headed by Sir Graham Brady, you know, the one that appointed Rishi Sunak when no one voted for him, they've also said that lindsey hoyle now needs to go um so i just want to finish quickly with the you should expect more of this under labor so starmer has since denied three times he's doing his best apostle peter impression that he pressured lindsey hoyle today to do anything ha very interesting likewise lindsey hoyle said in his um, standing up at the uh, in parliament saying i didn't meet with sue gray today. Now, if you don't know who Sue Gray is, for anyone down the line, uh, she was the Whitehall head that did the Partygate investigation that was immediately appointed Keir Starmer's Chief of Staff, and her son is running in a Southeast London seat as an MP at the next election. No corruption whatsoever. And when you say, oh, we've got in all these grievance groups to govern us, do you know what Sue Gray wants to do as soon as the Labour Party get in? Citizens' assemblies of random state-appointed NGO-picked grievance groups. Oh, Soviets. Genuinely, yes. It's exactly what the Extinction Rebellion crowd wants to do for the climate stuff. They're going to appoint their own activists, sit around, agree with each other, tell you exactly what policies should be adopted, and the government are just going to write off on it and pass it through. So expect like the Muslim Council of Britain and the like to set the tone for anti-Semitism and what should be policed online. Um, The reason she wanted to do this is because in Northern Ireland, it got abortion and gay marriage passed against the will of the population. So... As you can see, Parliament's agenda is now set by threats from Islamists they imported. And they're quaking in their boots and they're petrified. I might humbly suggest that you deport them all and not keep importing them and stop subjecting the British, as you have for decades, to threats and occupation by this evil foreign force that care more about a war and a foreign land and ethnic and religious interests than the prosperity of their own country. But maybe that just makes me far right. You bigot, you. I know, quite
0: a mouse. Could you? I've got a mouse. Oh, okay. Right Tellyos, here. there. There we go. Generous man. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, there we go. A few years ago, no, no, John, I'm going here. A few years ago, there was a man. Some would say a visionary. Some would say a true warrior. Some would say a man with um, uh, a childlike enthusiasm for the future. This man has fought for Ukraine. He was known as the ghost of Kiev. He's fought for the IDF. He's um, a true champion for all of us. Uh, Samuel Stein Heidenberg, a few years ago, gave a speech at the uh, TED Talks where he laid out a plan for the future. He, of course, pre- predicted that the world would end five years hence. He was wrong, but we can assume that everything else that he said was right, like we do with all of the other climate uh, climate alarmists and such. And he laid out a plan for the future of uh, 2070, a glorious future where the state would murder all old people and disabled people to prevent them from being such a um uh, such a strain on the system something that Canada as we know is already doing and uh, he also stated something really progressive and groundbreaking which was that we would have state enforced homosexuality now this was something that he predicted would be in place by 2070 but i'm really grateful glad to be able to tell you all that we're already there 2024 so Sam, thank you for your work, but you were, you were being a little bit slow on this, if dare I say conservative, in your thinking of how long it would take to get to state-enforced homosexuality. Because already in countries across the world, especially in the West, we, we're getting there. We're basically there. So Lauren Southern, earlier on, uh, two days ago now, posted about new hate crime laws that are being um, implemented as of the uh, 16th of February, so they're already in place, in British Columbia in Canada, will now make it illegal to try to talk anyone anyone out of gender transitioning, labeling this as conversion therapy. They've also added a whole new slew of other hate crimes to curb anti-SOGI protests. I was wondering what SOGI was, and I looked into it. Well, in the area of British Columbia in Canada, they have Sogi Education. Ah, Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity, right. Yes. Where you can see here, this is the people giving guidelines to schools, which I would assume are being mandated by the government where they're talking about, talking to students about homophobia and transphobia. Oh, they, they've got the two-spirit uh, yes. in there as well. Do you, do you remember where that, that came from, for anyone that
1: doesn't remember? Um, some bollocks, I'd imagine. It was invented by Harry Hay in the 90s, but they've adopted oh, it as if yeah. it's Native
0: American or Native Canadian or whatever the hell they want to say it is. Indigenous Canadians, I believe, is the uh, you, politically Harry. correct term. And they talk about uh, 62% of these students, who are definitely real, uh, feel unsafe at school, and they have all of these educational resources Here we can see the map of their current conquests. I assume this is where they're aiming to get to, you know, hopefully before 2070, because we live in the glorious future. Uh, This is what all of our forefathers were fighting for. I know my ancestors were looking forward to this day. And I decided to look into the documents that she was sharing, where she got them from, because she posted them under here, and you can find them in our uh, links down below. These are the prosecution service guidelines from British Columbia, their Crown Council policy manual that lays out a few things. So they codify within the legal guidelines ideas of intersectionality and of post-colonial, anti-colonial theories. And they just put it into these legal documents. So Canada insane. Canada is an insane country. Canada not, is not run by evil genius Machiavellians, it seems to me. Maybe they are. Maybe there are some people who are evil and Machiavellian behind the scenes, pulling the strings. But as far as I can tell from codifying all of this into law, obviously it's an assault on the uh, founding stock Canadians. But also, these people are actually insane. Yeah, so let's take a look. Uh, They state here, hate is disproportionately experienced by marginalized communities um i mean yes as a, as a margin as a member of a marginalized community yes i do feel is hate is being disproportionately experienced by me and people like me because it seems that the entirety of every power structure across the west is saying f u whitey so specifically straight white men thanks for that but of course marginalized communities should be capitalized because they're an official category of anyone who isn't white and they say especially by those with intersecting identities so we've got those nice intersectional Identities codified into law now i e persons who have multiple attributes that may subject them to discrimination, including race, religion, and gender identity. once again, I feel discriminated against constantly by my own government for all three of those things, not that I feel like I have a gender identity, I obviously have a sex which I conform to uh. I, as a Christian,
1: if I stand on the wrong street corner and give the wrong answer to whether or not I'm praying in my head, I will be arrested. So I feel a certain degree of religious persecution in this country, but no, uh, it doesn't matter because I'm a straight white male and I'm not a Muslim, I suppose. Uh,
0: advocating or promoting genocide is something that's illegal, so we should shut down the entire Canadian government, US government, British government, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, I can't say that because um, that's a conspiracy theory. And they talk about as well in here, offensive related to conversion therapy. Now, the way that they're categorizing this is that conversion therapy is when you tell kids that actually you were born a boy and that means you are a boy. And just because you're seven years old and your insane blue haired teacher told you that you're a girl doesn't mean that you're a girl. That's conversion therapy. Now, as we know, everything is redefined. Up is down. Left is right. Freedom is slavery. Etc., etc. And they say here that uh, what will be categorized as hate crimes are causing a person to undergo conversion therapy. Sorry, little Timmy, I won't be calling you Sally today. Removing a child from Canada with intent to cause them to undergo conversion therapy. So you're locked within your own borders. So if you don't take your kid abroad to trans them there, it's illegal. That, well, well okay. no, it's, it's if they're being transed in Canada you, and you disagree with it and you say, maybe I should move to, I don't know, Florida or something. They'll go, eh, 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 yeah, but, sorry, they'll stop you at the
1: border. So that's interesting. So is this going to cause an international case of where a parent doesn't disclose the fact that they aren't trans affirming, take their kid abroad, go to someone like Florida and Canada will demand an extradition if that kid resumes their birth sex?
0: Maybe. That would be interesting. I'd like to see the Mexican standoff that occurs because of that. And they also say, of course, promoting or advertising conversion therapy. So even telling little Timmy that you might not be Sally, it will presumably be advertising. And it seems that the reason for all of this from what I was seeing, because Lauren Southern posted a video about it, uh, was that they wanted to shut all of this down because certain groups like Gays Against Groomers were putting banners over on the overpasses of Canadian highways, and they wanted to be able to shut that down and persecute, persecute those kinds of groups for putting up banners that said uh, politically verboten um, uh, uh, slogans. So Justin Trudeau, I'm programming, actually. Yes, yes, he is, in fact. They also go on at the bottom of this document to talk about colonialism. And once again, we get the anti-colonial, which is another word for anti-white um, discussions. And we get all of this language here. And they say, once again, this is in a legal document and it cites the victimization of Aboriginal people in Canada 2014 from the statistics of Canada, saying the history of colonialism, displacement and residential schools in Canada has translated into lower educational attainment. Of course, we're, we're, we're saying this because we say it, therefore it's true. You have to assume that because they have lower educational attainment, lower incomes, higher unemployment, higher rates of substance abuse and suicide, high levels of incarceration. In addition, rates of victimization of indigenous persons, especially for indigenous women and girls. No statement on who's doing that victimization are significantly higher than for those non-indigenous persons. So this is an article of faith that because they have worse outcomes, this is the Ibram X. Kendi idea of Ethnic differences, which is the racism of the gaps argument.
2: Why are you showing me when you're talking about? Because Kendi you're, you're such arch a big nemesis. fan.
0: Yeah, you and Kendi go for brunch on Sundays.
1: <laughs> can I can I pick this apart slightly as well? Yeah, go so, for it. So, are you aware of Professor Nigel Bigger from Oxford University? The fellow. Who, yeah, I've got his book. Yeah, I've, I, so I spoke to him uh, on Wednesday. His book's fantastic. Anyone who wants to learn more about colonialism, go and read it. There's a whole chapter on the indigenous. Uh, Uh, schools in canada that were set up upon the request of the indigenous because they wanted to learn english and assimilate into the economy so the premise here is that you didn't sufficiently incorporate us enough therefore we have fallen short therefore there is a disparity therefore you are racist towards us and also it's the noble savage myth of we were doing just fine and dandy until you showed up with your thing like standards but this has resulted in lower educational attainment. Hang on a minute. You didn't even have the school structure before the schools were brought along. So you weren't even tracking educational exactly. attainment.
0: You you can not it at all. You can't have low educational attainment if you don't have education at all. Checkmate, white boy. So this is all just grievance politics. It, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's historical revisionism, but it's written into Canadian law. So sorry, Canadians. And we have this beautiful paragraph at the end laying out exactly how crimes against people who aren't white are just worse by the very nature of them, saying... Crimes against Indigenous persons, including hate crimes in Indigenous victims, groups and communities, are underreported. Citation needed. Uh, I mean, you can't really cite that, though, can you? If they're underreported, you're going to need to, well, just assume. Trust me, bro. Well, there's more crimes than we're getting reported. How do you know that? Well, because they're not being reported. Fantastic. Circular logic. Circular logic. Crown Council should ensure that their charge assessments and positions on resolution and sentencing reflect the gravity of the problem of violence and hatred against indigenous persons in our society, particularly indigenous women and girls, and the serious injustice they face. So this is a carve out saying crimes against these people are automatically worse by virtue of being against these people. So if you have a naughty meme on your phone
1: or you watch the 1950s Peter Pan film in public, you'll get a harsher sentence than probably a rapist because he's brown.
0: And of course, there's no mention of the burning down of Christian churches. Hundreds of those. In in Canada. Probably off of the back of this kind of rhetoric being banded about and the kind of rhetoric that you're talking about with these um, indigenous schools that were set up because people have been told over and over again, this was basically genocide against you. And of course, we know from historical precedent that in the face of genocide, any resistance is permitted, so they see themselves as morally permitted to do anything in, retu- in response to this. You did uh, fantastic. These,
2: these people are essentially following the, the the following narrative of history that you know you separate class, social classes, into oppressor and oppressed, and there can never be any kind of coexistence. One one social class needs to destroy the other. That's how most people are viewing things. Mm nowadays, especially in the left. That's why they constantly talk about rights. The rights are only reserved for the protected classes. You mentioned the uh, Christians be, and their churches being destroyed and uh, vandalized. No one, uh, where's the social outrage about this? Where, where are the leftists who are talking about the right to f- freedom of religion there?
1: yes, yeah, it's the Franz Fanon idea of Coloniality that he collaborated with on Sartre. I was just going to say, you did a fantastic segment last year of myself and Aidan Paladin that you presented the information that they did loads of ground imaging for all of these supposed indigenous graves and they found rocks. Not yes. a single body has been found
0: yet. It turns out there are other things that can be under the ground other than bodies. It might just be sediment, it might be rubble, it might be rocks. What a surprise. But of course, this is not just specific to Canada. While Canada are going the most insane with it at the moment, and they're the ones that we have the most information about regarding some of the classic cases that they've had there of uh, parents saying, actually, little Timmy, you're not Sally, and then getting arrested and having their children taken off of them. This also happens in America. One of the most high-profile stories I saw about this recently was this couple in Indiana, which is a Republican state with a Republican governor, from what I know. They are a Catholic couple saying that the local government took their trans son... Trans son, I think he is a boy, but he's saying that he is a girl. Took the trans son away from them because they refused to use his preferred pronouns. This is a pretty harrowing story. So uh, This is Mike Pence's state. Oh, is it? Senator Mike Pence. Ah, interesting. Uh, Mary and Jeremy Cox, who are Catholic, were investigated by Indiana officials for refusing to affirm their child's transgender identity because they claimed it conflicted with their Christian beliefs. Republican state... Can the Republican establishment there not do something about this? No, apparently not. The couple's son reportedly told them that he identified as a girl in 2019. The Coxes refused to refer to the child with their uh, preferred name and pronouns, citing their religious beliefs in immutable sex. The DCS received allegations that the child's physical and mental condition was endangered by her parents, who were not referring to her by her preferred pronouns. This is a boy. Reports of alleged verbal and emotional abuse over the teen's gender identity were filed, which, as with all teenagers, is probably the parent parents saying, no, you can't have that, actually, and the child turning around and saying, this is basically, you're basically murdering me right now. You might as well pick up a knife and stab me right now, as all teenagers do, because teenagers, and I don't know if the Indiana authorities like uh, know this, I don't know if any of them have children, they're probably staffed entirely by um, bloviating blue-haired whales, um, Children, teenagers especially, exaggerate things. They like to cause a scene and be drama queens. And so if you say no to them, they'll say, you're basically killing me right now. And then they'll run away for a bit.
2: This is the state basically destroying the family, because when you have young people and uh, they're forming their identity and you cannot just affirm any single bit of their self-conception. Their self-conception has to do with how they view themselves. Obviously it's highly fallible for every person. Okay, so just by the state intervening and saying that we are gonna take your child from you because you're not affirming a hundred percent of what your ch- child says is basically the road to tyranny. Not only does it destroy the family, but it is it shows a state that wants to constantly intervene and pose as a moral authority and an infallible at that. And basically take, create, destroy society because a family is a basic social unit.
0: Absolutely. And like you say, they are completely destroying this family because in 2021, the officials investigated the couple and placed the child in a gender-affirming home. So breaking up the family directly and putting the child in the custody of literally state-approved carers. Yeah. Everyone that's involved
1: in this that has taken this child away from their parents should be in prison.
2: I want to say also that family law in the US and several blue states is becoming increasingly harrowing because, for instance, you have asylum, asylums mm. that up until recently had to notify the parents if there was a child leaving and going to an asylum saying that I ran off my house. They had the obligation to notify the parents because exactly what you say because what are
0: states.
2: the chances that you know the child has is just you know
0: overreacting being dramatic. or, being or is dramatic even, has even been now they have said the
2: exact else. opposite that you know they don't have to do this because the presumption is a presumption of guilt when it comes to parents there's no presumption of innocence there's presumption of guilt if you don't affirm your identity the identity of your child the self-conception You're treated as a guilty person.
0: Absolutely. And uh, uh, once again, for Indiana officials, uh, another favorite pastime of children and teenagers is lying. Children are not perfect, impeccable angels who are spotless in their behavior and manners. Children like to lie to get what they want. And in fact, by doing this, of course, the, the main victim here, as well as the parents, is this teenager who is being led down a road, being put into a situation where, like you say, finding his own identity, struggling with that, especially in today's atmosphere when these kids are being presented with so many varying options for things that are incredibly unhealthy for them. And then that is basically a cry for the parents to erect boundaries, to be able to put them right and give them correct morals and a correct understanding of the world, whereas the state is just playing into this fantasy idea that you can be whatever you want and you don't have to have any consequences.
2: So long as you support me politically, you can be anything you want. Which is going to be
0: incredibly damaging for every child who suffers under this. And uh, finishing off this article, upon completing the state investigation, Indiana Department of Child Services reportedly determined the allegations of abuse against Mary and Jeremy were unsubstantiated. So they looked into it and said, they're not abusive parents. All they've done is said no to this kid, but the state still argued the disagreement over gender identity was distressing to the child. So they don't get the kid back. The Court of Appeals has also upheld the removal and it might be going to the Supreme Court now. So if this does end up going to the Supreme Court, I can only hope that um what's her name? Diversity Higher. Diversity Higher, that's her name. Katanji uh, Brown Jackson. Yeah, that was it. Um, she's gonna get, you know. 50 paragraphs of warbling nonsensical non sequiturs and um, uh, Clarence yeah. is just Clarence Thomas is gonna, Cla- adult human female yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> Clarence, yeah Clarence Thomas is just gonna post the tragedies she's
2: also gonna get around a million dollars to write that yes
0: yes clown world. And on to the last bit here, just to really solidify, state-enforced homosexuality is going way too far. You know, I could take a little bit of state-enforced gayness, but this is ridiculous. This is something that I find uh, completely sickening, completely inhuman. Uh, It's um, an NHS trust, and it's only one NHS trust right now, but it might carry on to the rest of them saying that trans women's milk is as good as breast milk. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is enabling a paedophile's fetish. Yes. Yes, it is. In a letter to campaigners, the University of Sussex Hospital's NHS Trust, the USHT, said that the milk produced by trans women after taking a combination of drugs is comparable to that produced uh, produced following the birth of a baby it's not no it's not women's women's bodies
1: respond to the saliva of a baby to produce the antibodies in the milk that the baby needs this is why breast milk is usually best for a child Like there's a 10 point iq gap usually bet- on average between breast milk and formula fed kids and you are not a woman you are lactating clearly for sexual pleasure in the mouth of a baby i think you should be in prison to anyone that does this
0: i agree The Hospital Trust, which runs Royal Sussex County Hospital, Worthing Hospital, and the Royal Alexandra Children's Hospital, among others, was also the first in Britain to use the term chest feeding in place of breastfeeding. So these guys are real pioneers. These guys are really pioneering that 2070 future, the the, uh, paradigm shift that we're all experiencing right now. They uh, pioneered that chest feeding term because it's considered by some to be more inclusive to pedophiles. Within its guidance were assertions about the ability of trans women to produce milk for a baby. These were the subject of a complaint last year by the Children of Transitioners, an organization founded by a woman whose father transitioned in an effort to produce advice for children in a similar situation. Because, of course, it's quite unusual and distressing for children to turn around one day and go, Dad's mum now. That's... When we talk about providing a stable environment for children and stable boundaries, that is doing the exact opposite. In an August 2023 response, the hospital defended its claims referring to five scientific papers dating back to 1977, so cutting-edge research here, guys, and pointed to the World Health Organization, a neutral institution. Uh, There are guidance and overwhelming evidence, quote, that human milk, not women's breast milk, but Human milk, which sounds like a dirty euphemism, is better for a baby than formula milk. Well, we know that breast milk is, yes, but breast milk tends to only come from about 50% of the population. It also references a 2022 study that found that milk testosterone concentrations were under 1% with no observable side effects in the babies. Telegraph points out here that the study only lasted for five months and had no long-term data included in it. So that's great. A drug is required to lactate, this article continues, such as um, domperidone, which is often prescribed to women struggling to breastfeed and helps to stimulate the production of prolactin, a separate hormone that tells the body to produce milk. Domperidone is known by the brand name uh, Motilum, which was not intended for this, but is prescribed off-label by doctors, despite the manufacturer, Janssen, itself recommending against it because of possible side effects to a baby's heart. And this is the more technical reason why you wouldn't want to do something like this, which is that it could cause trouble to the child. But of course, there are a number of other ethical, moral, uh, and common sense, plain reasoning reasons that we've already gone over as to why this is wrong. And also that that kick in the gut that you get when your disgust response really gets set off by something. I know with their non-existent brains, leftists don't really get a gut response telling them that something is disgusting. But to anybody who is a human being, you should. You should look at this and say, this is disgusting. But carrying on, the patient leaflet for Motilum says, small amounts have been detected in brain milk. Motilum may cause unwanted side effects affecting the heart in a breastfed baby. It should be used during breastfeeding only if your physician considers this clearly necessary. The USHT believes the practice is safe, adding that hospital staff advise any parent who is taking medication for whatever reason to seek advice on the possibility of that medication being transferred to the baby through breastfeeding and also the health implications for your baby. So there's not really much else that I can add to that that we haven't already. This whole thing is disgusting. And yeah, there you go. I hope you're going to cheer us up, Stelios. Well,
2: I'm black pillable, so I'm going to cheer you
0: up. It's that sunny Mediterranean disposition.
2: Yes. So uh, the West is a lovely place to live in. Is it? It is, yes. And I shall show you why. But uh, before before I do this, uh, there is a new symposium: the evil side of welfareism.
1: Yeah, speaking of all the virtues of the West, give me money.
2: <laughs> yes, so
1: you know, I do love this. Image. Maybe
2: it's you maybe you want this. Uh, with uh, just five pounds a month, you can gain access to all our premium content and check out the danger of the welfare state.
0: You know, in now, this image, whenever I've seen it before, I've only ever focused on him, but I didn't pay any attention to the look of. The, the startled look of the man standing directly over him saying, you want how much? <laughs> it's like, give me, give me, give me. Okay? <laughs> and a lot of
2: people are going like that. Give me, give me, give me. And the, the, one of the danger. let me just say, it, it's not a spoiler alert because we didn't touch much upon this. We touched more about the economic part. But one of the obvious dangers of the welfare state is that the more benefits you give, the more people are going to be attracted. Yeah. So the more people are going to be attracted they are going to come here for the benefits, not for other reasons.
0: Almost like that's the goal. Yeah. Can I, can I point out for a moment there, Stelios, that you sounded like an ABBA song?
2: I like uh, some ABBA songs. Good man. Yeah. Good man. <laughs> they, ha- they have good tune. Money, money, money. Give, money. Me, give
0: yeah. me some money. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Now, I want to take you th- through a tour around Swindon. Oh, I want. we have to? Wait, wait. Yeah, we do have to. Because I want to say that I'm the best tour guide that this office has. <laughs> okay, and I'll show you around Swindon. And I'm doing this because I want this, to right, show you why this,
0: this is a very. Excuse me. I want to show you why I'm the be,
2: I'm the I'm the best qualified person to take you through a tour of the West. Hello, everyone. So you don't get demoralized.
1: You get to see where Carl has made everyone so, else live.
2: I am going to say that Carl and I have you know we have areas where we agree, we have areas where we disagree. But one of our most momentous disagreement is how to give a tour to guests around Swindon. So, let me just give you well, a tour. He gave,
0: he gave um, Dr. Nima Parvini the desolation tour wait, wait, wait. of the yeah, town center when he came Look
2: at what kind of tour people would be subjected to if I was the tour guide.
0: You're still right? subjecting is, them to it, though. This is Potemkin, Swindon. Wait, this is... <laughs> look at our look glorious at potato farm, citizen. Wait, okay. This is, this is lovely. This, this is one this is street. Probably, this is probably during lockdown.
1: No, it isn't. Though.
0: No, no, so it's, it's, it's not. Great. But what's not to love? This, okay. is, this is one street. What's not to love? Well, uh, wait, wait, wait no, hold, no, no, on. No, hold on. No, Stelios. no, Pause, no, no. Hold on, Stelios. Pause, go back, turn around. No, 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 no. Stelios, no, no. this is I, rather I'm doing deceptive. The tour. I'm doing the tour. <laughs> no, Stelios, you, <laughs> no breaks. you Harry, skipped over a rather lovely but dilapidated building.
2: There's a strict hierarchy. When I'm doing the tour... He's sovereign. He declares the obsession. It, it's absolute sovereignty. There's no... Separation
0: of powers. Do you know who lives down this street, Stelios? Have you walked down it? Yes, many times. There's quite a few migrants being put up down this road,
2: Harry. That's the tour. Let me just show you, (laughs) Harry, uh, uh, Carl's. Carl's marketing of Swindon. This isn't even okay? the worst so, bits of
0: Swindon. I mean, this is accurate, at least.
2: This Wait, worst Carl part. says here, dystopia pos- posting from Swindon. Take we us down little Pakistan. We don't Stanley. have to live like this. And look look at these. Hold on, Stelios. where do you live? I don't live in Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at oh, these. Oh, I'm lightheaded. <laughs> these pictures. Okay, so I want to say one thing that this is not the best way to give a tour guide. So basically, I'm in favor of the Pyongyang tour. Under no, circunst- <laughs> under no circumstances, allow people to zoom out. <laughs> okay? Just follow the orders. Don't allow them to zoom out, because maybe they're going to see something like that. Right. This so, true, <laughs> Yes. So I want to say one thing. So uh, he's absolutely right, by the way. Yeah, we don't have to live like this. To a very large extent, it's self-imposed and also it's just aesthetically atrocious by the way it just big concrete the, the blocks words can't describe it but even, i'm going to take you through a tour look i'm going to take you through a tour of the west and my tourist package is simple so people have a, a deep sense of meaning in their lives you're going to love it what's not to love people and celebrities have a clear sense of priorities people are tolerant they don't care about your sexuality they don't care about your skin color They love you and respect you. Your politicians care about you. It is cheap,
0: clean, and safe. It's like an advert from Robocop. I want some of whatever you've been having today (laughs) because you are tripping balls, my friend. Uh, Honestly,
2: honestly, I have never taken drugs, ever. I'm not joking.
0: Uh, that's, that's fair. Also, I've only just noticed that you are actually dressed a bit like a sleazy car salesman. <laughs> I like
2: selling, you know, seed oil and stuff like
0: you're that. Like, you, know, you know, in The Running Man, you're yeah. like the presenter
1: who's selling the cola. I don't think so. Whitman, you know, Price, and no, O'Dodd all oh, went to the West. They're still alive.
2: Right. Okay. So I want to unpack the package and subject you to the unpacking of the package. That but- didn't sound how you thought it did, Cereos. How do you know I thought it was going to sound? So let me just say here, the reason I do this, just heads up, it's not for demoralization, okay? It's for acknowledging stuff and acknowledging ways to solve them and moving forward. And I think we can, right? So people have a deep sense of meaning in their lives. Let's look at... no,
0: I saw this earlier. Let's look
2: at this spontaneous event here
1: well we found Wally <laughs> <laughs>
0: this
1: is in this
2: Poland
0: is <laughs> I can only assume this is an ancient Polish pagan ritual it's Where's
2: a way it, you, you see it may be it may be because you know you, you can't apply Western perspective when you constantly say you know uh, all these are people maybe it has rich meaning behind it maybe yeah so people know how to spend their time okay let's look at this guy over here for you assume what he... the
0: position
2: <laughs> what is he doing okay we are being told he is being exercised he's exercising okay
0: I don't know. He looks like he's
2: trying people to get are a good taking, view. He's, taking <laughs> he a, taking? he's assuming the position and people are over there talking about it. So people have meaning in their life. Uh, this
0: person is giving details. What on earth are the details? That- I don't know. <laughs> no, no, right. And, you know, what people, exercising,
2: what? <laughs> people exercising, finding ways of uh, spending their time. <laughs> right. Also, celebrities have a clear sense of priority. Right.
0: Okay. Stop for a second I need to address the audience for a yeah. moment we have at regular intervals made mention that occasionally Stelios will send each of us, torture us. direct messages uh, of very suspect material now he's doing it for all the world to see this is what we've all endured this is Stelios just
1: the contents of your bookmarks isn't it this well, is this is the content of your goon cave and you decided to share it with everyone
2: well um, I want to be a candidate for the possession of cringe lord commander <laughs> So
1: there's no one else running. Look at this. (laughs) I
3: think you win. Landslide.
2: We have, we in the West have people and celebrities who really know how to be role models and actually point their attention to actual problems. Let's see here, Kristen Stewart and her fiance have been talking about the possibility of having babies. I don't know what my family is going to look like, but there's no effing way that I don't start acquiring kids. Wait, acquiring?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like their
0: Pokemon cards. She's just, she's just gonna paint free candy on the side of a white van, oh, and she does look yeah, like she would.
2: She's talking like that Decepticon where we say we have to retrieve
1: the cube. Remember
0: Megatron? Yeah. <laughs> she she, she looks like
1: she looks like trans Rory
0: with that haircut. <laughs> well, Rory often dresses like this in the office does, as well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> she she may be a good role model. Please let's not go down the way where we're talking about how. Memes can be used also, to create. That, that None of you know uh, what
0: we're wearing below the desk. That,
1: yeah, That underwear, like, it doesn't even look comfortable. It looks like what Gandhi was wearing.
0: <laughs> it's a nappy. Oh, oh, oh. It looks like a nappy.
1: Right.
2: Nice. So I want to say here, people are tolerant. Okay? The mentality according to which anything, anyone who, const- who disagrees with me and deviates from my position to the slightest is a cancerous tissue in society is a thing of the past. Okay? Europe has had some bad decades, some bad centuries, that people don't think like that anyway. And also the people in the U.S. don't think this way.
0: Let's look at this. Look at this uh, person, Dr. Dr. Christopher Wells, the Canadian Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth. Sexual youth.
2: Well, he says, Calls for political neutrality are a far-right dog whistle akin to All Lives Matter. Based. All right, what right, okay, kind of yep. community do residents want to live in? That's now is your chance to, denize, to denounce this hate and send a message of love.
0: Okay, people love each other. Okay, they're not intolerant.
1: This man especially loves children.
0: So, Celios, you give your full, uh, full-throated support to this.
1: <laughs> to what? This.
2: Specify, be specific. I'm not going to be framed by you.
0: This. You frame it yourself then. What, what of this are you selling to people?
2: What I'm saying here is that people in the West are really tolerant, okay? <laughs>
0: now, uh,
2: people don't Agreed, don't care about other people's sexuality. No one cares. Everyone just wants to be left alone. Yeah? You see here down, I think, is that Regent Street? Uh, yes. Maybe, yeah? Yeah. So everyone wants to be left alone. And, this is uh, the uh,
1: minding my own business flag, clearly.
2: Yeah. Here also we see this because, you know, maybe some people when they walk, they just look down so they don't step on filth.
0: Which uh, is an increasing problem in the West. Which is
2: an increasing problem, as I will show you. Oh. <laughs> and we will we will focus on it from a philosophical angle as well as a geo navigational one, <laughs> right? We see here just people want to be left alone, okay? It's just real tolerance, love. Whatever. Uh, people love you and respect you. Let's look at what is going on here. There's someone cleaning. He's cleaning. He, for those who are not listening, we're watching at a video of someone collecting trash.
0: I see what's going throwing on Throwing them on here. a bin.
2: People taking them out of it and just throwing it out. So because what, what, they want to make a statement about
0: it. No, no. I think what we're seeing here is that this boy um, gets a sense of purpose out of cleaning. And these okay. women... These diverse women don't want him to lose that sense of purpose. They don't want him to lose his direction in life. So they're actually helping.
2: Yes, they're helping because they really know that in life, if you don't work, you don't have a purpose. So they want to keep him working.
1: Well, this is yeah, this is exactly the economic prosperity being brought by mass migration. They've created a job here.
0: Yeah. I've just realized <laughs> this is a perfect visual metaphor for the New Deal. What do you mean? Say more. You just just do work for no reason. Oh, yes. Yeah,
2: was it where they were touring down pavements and roads and then they were... And then they build them them again. Yeah, you've got
0: to keep people busy, right? Okay. Exactly,
2: because you need to cultivate the virtues. You need to cultivate the virtue of productivity. You want productive classes around the world.
1: Not just that. He's got to generate revenue, so that could be taxed and then it can go and pay for
0: their (laughs) social health. GDP goes up. Oh my God, you're right. Where else will they (laughs) live? It says so much about society. (laughs)
1: Sorry, audio listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: Right. And I want to say also something. Your politicians really care about you. Politicians here in the West, they care about you. Um, They constantly follow the minute details of every particular case. Let's look at Irish Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. I'm not, not going to be that cruel and expose you to the whole video. She is being confronted by a journalist who's talking about a Congolese invader who committed a string of sexual crimes, but was not deported. She constantly says, no comment, no comment, no comment. So I think this qualifies as caring for the population.
1: Oh yeah, just like Gillian Keegan, the education secretary, who when asked about the Clapham alkali attacker, um, whatever his name, the Afghan legal entrant, said that his migration status was not relevant. I'm glad you're so attentive to these issues. Well, and let's go to the other bit, the issue of
2: cleanliness. Okay. We can be exposed here to several pictures here. You see, very clean roads. People are just safe. They are in conditions where they can, let's say, live the good life. They are in conditions where, for instance, they may think that they have no future, and uh, this is not necessarily a good
1: thing. The rainbow steps are pristine, though.
2: The rainbow steps, yeah, it shows, again, a clear sign of, there's also a rainbow uh, sweater there. It also adds to the idea that people have the correct priorities and they just want to be left alone. Yeah, but cleanliness and all these things are not an issue. But let me just say one thing here. Is that a man in booty shorts? Okay, you, we, we all know. It's America. We all know Taker went to Russia and he was talking about the Moscow subway. I'm willing, I don't know whether a Karl, a Kremlin Carl or a Kremlin stellius took him around,
1: but I'm willing to bet
2: <laughs> someone who thinks more like me about tour guides showed him around.
1: You know, that being said, though, like, most of Moscow's subway stations are probably going to be better than London's because yeah. the crime rate is lower because the diversity is lower. And and I, it, Russia should not have monopoly on having clean, well-functioning and good-looking transportation. Are, transport uh, are you
0: are you, question, are you and... questioning the sincerity of Stelios's tour so far, comrade? No, you're right. Sorry. I'm sure the Windrush line will be absolutely spotless. Exactly. No bed bugs whatsoever. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Right. No, uh, you're exactly correct. Uh, I think the point stands, and that's the, that's one of the problems. And now I'm gonna uh, stop talking with a trolling voice. Uh, we don't have to live like this. A lot of people in Western countries don't have to live like this. So whatever people say about this, the ta- Tucker is showing Moscow subway station, it uh, has already be. They need to take with a pinch of salt from both sides. But I'm going to focus on the leftist side. Okay? And I'm gonna say one thing. So let's just show a, a real swindle. A real, real road here. Here is Fleet Street. Harry, does this sound familiar?
0: Yeah, it's not uh, the one in London.
2: Yeah? Okay, let's just I wouldn't
0: get a haircut down there.
2: L- look at look at how inviting it is. L- just look Oh, prosperous, yeah, rich. Look at how clean it is.
1: Do you know that's one of the uh, the law firms along there that work on behalf of the migrants?
0: Well, oh, everything's yeah, close no to you. Isn't there also a like a gentleman's club hidden there?
2: Well, there are several stuff. Oh, hidden no, there there's, and there's several the, stuff lying around.
1: There's the gay sauna that's yeah. around the back that's pizza. And, is that right, where and Tories can, go to?
2: You can see here, oh, like, yeah. you can see here several uh, filthy things here.
0: I remember they were consistently trying to build that remix club. Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, they had all the flags outside of it and yeah. such. And it was in a constant state of being built and then they stopped building it and it's empty. Yeah, and the point is that- Also that shop next to it, that blue one, I don't think that's there. Well, not now.
2: whatever's the case, the point is that the only thing that this this thing invites is people going there and literally littering. And what I want to say about filth, because that's the major issue, okay? Filth is affecting the discourse. I mean, yeah. Both domestically and globally. Wait,
0: this is the street you showed me that turd.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: You probably showed it to you as and
2: well, didn't it's not didn't just he? one. It's not just one. I'm showing you. Filth is something that actually affects the discourse. And people, mm. both domestically and abroad, and when I mean domestically, I mean also this studio uh, and abroad, everyone is talking about filth now after, after Tucker's uh, showing of Moscow. Let me just say one thing. We recently had a debate here, one and a half hours debate, whose main question was, who's going to clean bums? yeah but yet another question though is here by john stewart again i'm not going to expose you but he literally says that the filth is the price of freedom
1: abdul crapping on your doorstep
0: means that well you're free why god bless america who would say this
2: well i don't know but the point is here that's wrong on so many levels okay so, first of all, he is trying to make Tucker appear like an idiot and trying to say that Tucker has a very simplistic thing. It's woke versus non-woke. And in this uh, duo thing, Putin is an ally of the non-woke. That's the, the simplistic way of, um, of Tucker, according to Jon Stewart. But the point is that he's also giving something incredibly simplistic. Freedom and dirt, lack of freedom and cleanliness. Okay? This is supremely idiotic, okay? And wrong on so many levels. And I think it shows a lot about current elites and how they think. And that's an important thing to to bear in mind is that they should engage in self-criticism once in a while because they are literally trying to take accountability, obligations, and responsibility out of freedom every chance they get.
1: Yeah, but they don't have to live in squalor. They subject you to squalor, but they don't have to live in it. Therefore, it's a deliberate choice that they don't have to face the
2: consequences. But the point is that if you forget that the the only literal price of freedom is vigilance and you stop being vigilant, then suddenly you get a society of people who are trying to uh, take advantage of the lack of public attention on several practices. They try to take advantage of each other and abuse power in all sorts of ways, politicians and not. And you get a society where it's not a free society anymore in the way that it used to mean, in the way that freedom used to mean. You get a society like the society I showed you on this tour and where people literally look at things that can easily be fixed and they just say, no, 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 we can't fix it. Okay, this kind of defeatism has to stop. And this kind of defeatism is what the global globalist elites are trying to push forward where they're saying literally there's nothing that can be done. That's the message they want to hammer on to people. There's nothing that can be done. Okay? You want freedom? Freedom has to, we need to reshape it on our own image. Okay? It has nothing to do with obligations, nothing to do with responsibility, nothing to do with cleanliness, nothing to do with social etiquette. All of this is contributing to this idea over here. And I want to say that they are, Literally treating multiculturalism as a cure for all, completely ideological way of thinking about it. And if you take an ideology like multiculturalism that presents all of you through a rose tinted glass, you're just going to see a tour like the one I showed you in the very beginning of the segment. You're not going to show the whole picture. And the more people see the whole, whole picture, the more people will wake up. The rise of curtailment of speech, the the increase in hate speech laws, is an indication that people are noticing things. They are talking about things that a lot of people from the establishment don't want them to talk about. But it's very important to start uh, pushing forward these questions and considerations. And all of this idea of a society has an expiry date. And we literally saw it also in the UK Parliament uh, the previous days. Politicians can't dare now to act as if that's not a problem. They, be, they were nationally embarrassed.
1: That was the most harrowing Disney ride I've ever been on. And with that... Yeah, and,
2: but let me just say, it, my point is not demoralization. My point is that these are problems that can be fixed. Okay. And demand, and we should resist the ideological bombardment that tells us that um, freedom is all bad things. Okay?
1: Fantastic. And uh, with that, onto the video comments. Before we do, I'll just remind you and reiterate that uh, once again, we do need to keep these video comments below 30 seconds if you want them to be played on the podcast. I think everyone has today. Yes. No, I'm just been told by the editors to uh, all right. keep saying it. And That's why uh, that I'm not just cracking to the whip. Yeah, well, they do a good job, seeing how we've got to help them out. Anyway.
0: I had a question about Stelios because it seems like he has really perfect memory. Um, Oftentimes in videos, he'll make a reference to other videos on certain topics, and he'll just say, oh, we talked about that on whatever, Contemplations number 12. And I'm just thinking to myself, does he just know what every video is off the top of his head?
2: Um, thanks, California Refuge. You know, I don't have that perfect a memory. I've recently started making mistakes about it.
0: <laughs> Only recently, though. That took a while.
1: Yeah. I find it quite easy in the content that I have personally done to yeah. recollect if and when. Because you put so much effort into it and then you codify it by doing a discussion. It cements it in your mind. So it's, it's an easy reference point for us because we spent so many hours doing this stuff now. Hello, I listened to Carl's debate and I think it gave me ear cancer. Some of the users in the comments picked this up as well, but I couldn't help but notice this woman only identifies as British when it benefits her current argument. Anytime Britain does or did something she liked, it was, we did it or we should do it as Brits. And then anytime Britain did or does something she doesn't like, it switches to, you did it. It's a convenient way to claim all the benefits without accepting any responsibility or guilt that she would otherwise enthusiastically will on the native population. Yeah, it's a racial grievance, Mott and Bailey. You advance racial grievance and then you retreat to, but I'm as English as, yeah, see, this is the thing. I, but I, I don't think Narinda, and I know people that know her because of the TV circuit, I don't think Narinda's basically bright enough to deliberately deploy that tactic. I think she's just quite dim, right? She's just, She just is. And I think this stems quite a lot from her personal insecurity as not being accepted because she's brown. Because people do accept her, people just find her fundamentally annoying if she's advocating for interests against the native british at whose behest her parents and grandparents immigrated over to belong to so um one quick thing though i will say i know daisy and the team have put out a survey for future debates and that please because you guys are paying supporters that can comment on the website do comment on if you want this sort of special one-off episode in future, because we do have a couple of people in mind that we've had spats with over Twitter that might be worth having discussions with. Uh, It's also useful to hold people who have the ear of power more than us at times to account. So if you want to see that, do tell us, because you're our paying supporters. If not, we'll listen to you.
3: It's important not to be rude about people, and yet rarely is there such an example of the importance of reading on Monday, I recommended the book The Kindergarten of Eden by Evan Syatt. On Tuesday, the guest on the podcast was Narinda Carr, who exemplifies everything Syatt says about the liberal state of mind. I'm not sure her appearance was edifying, except to show how discussion with an intellectual infant is like wrestling with an octopus in a string bag.
1: I think that was pretty much the purpose. Also, it was done in good faith, because Narinda and Carl led a Twitter spat, and Carl just said, look, if you want to chat about it offline rather than online for random clickbait, then we'll do that <laughs> but this, this, this. But this, that's how TV works. I mean, Narinda came into it with the energy of I'm only going to be talking for a five-minute TV segment, so I'm going to start shouting.
0: And that... Yeah, I've still not listened to identity. it beyond particular clips because I was in a room adjacent to the studio and I could hear her through the walls. So I, could, I thought I could that's all one. I needed to hear.
2: These are some great olive trees,
3: by the way. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it isn't that we live in a clan world or everyone has gone crazy. Maybe it's just that it has been yeah. a long time since the last active co- conflict in the Balkans, and that is glitching out reality.
2: Oh, hello Antonius. Yes, I don't know about uh, the Balkans that you're saying, but uh, things are, uh, seem to become a bit more tense. Let me just say this. Once
0: again, Kickstarter has given us the perfect product. <laughs> if you know a crazy cat lady, who you've been struggling to find a present for. Well, look no further. (laughs) I've seen that before, actually. (laughs) The Licky Brush. Uh, I think this is... You're joking, right? I was laughing because every time one of Sam's video comments has popped up recently, he's been telling us about some absurd Kickstarter product that he's found. So I, I can only assume this is this is Sam's purpose now: is to show us ridiculous Kickstarter products. And you know what? It's, it's better than what most people would do with their days. It's a novel strategy.
1: Yeah, it's interesting and funny. It's just why would you want to lick your cat? Um. Uh, oh, that.
0: Well, there's an. The, there. the, the... <laughs> All right. Fair Listen, enough. Listen, it's not the strangest thing I've heard about some white women doing with their pets. Move on. Yeah.
2: Standards are essential as without it water is undrinkable. Planes fall out of the sky. People die in fires and loud music is played on trains and buses. Ellie should have guest standards. Follow the format. Cover your underwear. Do not interrupt. Understand logic. Deduce the meaning of the words per capita. If this means lotus eaters cannot find guests of a certain demographic group or ideological space, that is fine. There is no need for diversity, equity, and inclusion ideas to be followed when it comes to picking guests. After all, you have such fine hosts. You don't need
1: guests. I noticed how I wasn't uh, how I wasn't AI'd there. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> we didn't. To be fair, Pirate Harry is the Harry I aspire to be.
1: Fair point. Just for clarification, we didn't pick Narinda as a diversity hire and we're not trying to go offcom compliant and get balance on here. That wasn't the point. It was that her and Carl had a personal exchange and thought that they would settle the dispute. We were only going to do that in future if one, the audience found it valuable, um, not because she said anything worthwhile. That's entertaining. But, yeah, exactly. Diversity is our entertainment. Or if we have a personal grievance with the person we want to settle on air rather than on Twitter, um, we're not going to just be pulling any Tom, Dick, and Harry off the street, basically.
0: Right, anyway, on with the written comments on the like website. I bully someone to an airport, though. <laughs> so they deport themselves. <laughs> I got the implication, <laughs>
1: yes. yes. Uh, Kobe, the Gaza thing in Europe is not about Gaza. It's about local Muslims asserting dominance. Well, exactly. After October the 7th, they decided to do a public prayer outside Downing Street. Just a flex. They're allowed to do this. They shouldn't be. Uh, Brian Tomlinson, Labour's nose is being rubbed in diversity and they're so scared that they want police protection. Mm, Quite. Sophie Liv, this is stupid. This is trying to vote that Russia stops its assault on Ukraine. We don't get to her saying what Russia does or Israel. How stupid are you? Sure, it would be nice if we could just vote China shouldn't invade Taiwan and for some magical reason they listen, but are these people retarded? Well, I am no clinician, but I don't think that most MPs... Have a very strong grant on gross intelligence. I'm
0: trying level. to think, like, what what is it that England and Britain could do to try to materially deter Israel? And they could they could threaten that the financial support that we send them on an annual basis. We could threaten to. Pull I don't. Think that
1: away. We, I don't think we actually do any direct um, foreign
0: aid. We I do believe- a lot of trade arrangements. We don't do direct. Like we don't just pay Israel. I believe we might pay them a certain sum. It's not the billions that America sends. But if we did if we did, and we said we'll take that away, I'm almost certain that America would go, fine, we'll make up for the difference. Quite, I was going to say that. And also the only other leverage we possibly would have over any country really is
1: that I think we're the fourth largest donator to the United Nations where they're having a lot of these disputes. So you would think that we would be able to flex some sort of financial slash soft power, but of course, the United Nations is itself an instrument of global homogenization, um, homo-emphasized there, so I don't think they're going to clean up anything anytime soon. Uh, Just a couple more from my bit. North FC Zuma, Hoyle is a disgrace to Lancastrians. When he's choosing between the English and foreign interests, he's effectively picking foreign interests. That's quite funny. So Desmond Swain shouted during the thing, bring back Burko." I mean, No. John Bercow was a prior speaker, for anyone who doesn't know, who deliberately frustrated Brexit. And when he left Parliament, he did his family crest as a celebration to diversity and had the rainbow flag in it.
0: No, not any better. That's like, that, that, I mean, that's like saying, oh, God, this, this stage three cancer sucks. Bring back stage two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, the entire point of equality law is to prevent the natives organizing their own interests. Yes. Wait, I thought I'd just finish with that one because that's very good. Harry.
0: All right, I'll read some of mine. Omar Awad says, worse than lying or seeking attention, children are gullible. This is an excellent point. If you tell a four-year-old that an adult male human is called an aubergine or or liking pink means that you are a girl, they have no frame of reference to know otherwise. Yeah, because when they're that age, they're still getting their understanding of the world around them. So yeah, you can tell them anything and they'll believe you because what reason do they, what evidence do they have? What experience do they have to go off to prove otherwise? You know the people verifying they are trans are using the most leading questions to get the result that they want. This is pure evil. I agree absolutely. And Omar carries on saying, there is no such thing as men and women because gender roles are a social construct, but also any child exhibiting preferences traditionally of the opposite sex or trans. It's not about the child. It's about superseding the authority of the family by any means necessary. And that's building off the point that you were making, Stelios, that this is about breaking up families, because the state can act as a a parent or guardian and exercise all authority and control. And I saw, I forget who it was, somebody made a point the other day, which uh, I saw some people arguing over, but I've got to say that it seemed rather compelling, which was that there's this idea of teenage rebellion, that teenagers want to rebel against their parents. And it's a naturally rebellious period where they don't conform. But somebody pointed out well, what they're actually tend to be doing. Is conforming to the expectations that larger society outside of their parents puts on them, rather than if their parents are pushing them in one direction, what their parents are saying. So they're still incredibly conformist. They're just yeah. rebelling only against their parents, but conforming to the much greater authority and power of the media establishment, the political establishment, the cultural establishment, um, telling them what to believe. Because you do get um, culturally approved non-conformity and rebellious movements. That's what
2: and I mean, unfortunately that's
0: what rock was in the 1970s, sadly.
2: Unfortunately, not just the family that is being destroyed, but education as well. Because the whole, the whole point of education is to tell people that you don't know enough, you need to learn more. Okay?
0: Yeah, I'm not sending my kids to a state school. Screw that. Yeah, Chance Bell says, Hello from Canada. BC is our California. They are constantly pumping out genuinely schizophrenic shit-lib policies. Remember that when the BC government recommended glory holes for safe, social distancing sex? That's not a joke. I'd forgotten about that, but thank you for acting as our cultural memory here on the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, because I needed I needed to remember that. had memory hold that one. Chance Bell, again, says, my aunt was in residential schools. Unfortunately, she died in 2015. She told me horror stories. There are truths to the abuse that went on in Canadian residential schools. The mass graves hoax is absolutely mythical, though. Absolutely, I'm sure that there would have been. The question that you need to ask, then, is how does that abuse compare to abuse that you would find in any other typical public school that people would go to? And uh, I would be interested to know the answer to that. Is it more? Is it comparable? It was it racially and ethnically motivated because that would be the real question. Is not whether abuse went on. All abuse that goes on in schools is terrible. But in this case, given the accusations that are being thrown, what was the reason for that abuse? But let's go on to yours.
2: Right, Anne Emo Moss. Stelios is absolutely correct. Broken window is a thing. Great point and very funny. I think maybe this would be a, this may be about the Debenhams building. That I've said it's like the building where the Expendables were fighting Mel Gibson <laughs> in Expendables. It's just horrendous.
1: It looks like the hive that all the vampires crawl out from in I Am Legend.
2: Citizen Philosopher, Detroit. Is this a Stelios SHIT posting again segment? My absolute favorite.
0: <laughs> Bre- uh, Monopoly.
2: Brian Tomlinson, Breaking News. Massive bomb blast in Sweden town center. Reports say it has caused £20 million worth of improvements.
0: Uh, we do not endorse nor condone that statement but it is very funny
2: Russian garbage human Stelius taking us on a tour we will see that famous turd called Jerry or whatever it was I think it was Freddy
0: Freddy. you called it It Freddy
2: it was Freddy the name but I didn't I didn't coin it
0: oh you know what we should oh you were cribbing it off of somebody I I
2: heard someone Calling it Freddy.
0: Who did you hear calling the turd Freddy? What whimsical Wonderland do you live it's in, honor.
1: As soon as he pulled up his trousers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you actually should give a tour of Swindon, like a skit. It would be great premium content. Well, yeah, uh, actually,
2: Andrew Cooper trolling Stellius' is best Stelios. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Cringe Lord Commander. there we go we have a rival show me your war cry leftist editions. I think we're gonna have to finish with
1: that because we've got the gold tier zoom call it'll be me Carl and Stelios actually so we can continue torturing you Uh, thank you very much for watching guys thanks for a good podcast fellas it was a laugh my abs hurt Uh, we'll be back on Monday one o'clock until then take care have a nice weekend and goodbye